listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. Good morning. I'm Greg Needham. This is my wife, Patsy. We're going to read John 10, 1 to 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This This is the the word word of of the the Lord. You are not welcome here. Uh, It's been a long year, and uh, if any of us can remember back that far to March when uh, COVID was still kind of brand new and uh, there was a lot of confusion and uncertainty about just how serious it was going to be, that was kind of the context in which this young man, Matt Levine, decided, like most college students in the spring, uh, he was going to get up a bunch of friends and go to the beach for spring break. Uh, Meanwhile, Matt's dad, Peter, stayed home in New York, and he's watching the news as things are getting more serious, and uh, we're hearing about the spread of what could be a pandemic, and uh, he was not encouraged by Matt sending him back pictures of he and his friends, like, sitting really close together in a group of a thousand other people on the beach. So the boys end up coming back home from spring break, and that's when they find out they're not going to be let in the house. You are not welcome here, Peter said. Because Peter's parents lived with them, and he was concerned about Matt and his friends potentially spreading coronavirus to his vulnerable parents. Now, Peter wasn't totally heartless. He said, I uh, filled up a car with a bunch of groceries. I left some cash in the car for them. I put all their keys and all their bags and everything in it. And I said, uh, you guys can go stay to a hotel, but you're not staying here. Uh, I love my son, but you're not welcome. Uh, it kind of made me think, uh, if any of you remember the old 80s sitcom Cheers, uh, the theme song, uh, you want to go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came, except kind of the opposite of that, right? Like, hey, there you are, and there's the door. Uh, so... That was Matt's experience, and maybe we've all had some experiences like that, of being on the outside, looking in, maybe in small ways, probably all of us locked our keys in the car, or uh, can't remember our PIN number at the machine, 
or I forgot my ID somewhere. Uh, I swear that probably a third of the time I get out of the car and I forget my face mask, and so I have to turn around and go back and get it so I can get in and be around other people. Sometimes it's more significant than that. Uh, sometimes we felt that sense of being on the outside because we didn't get into that fraternity or that group or we weren't invited to the party. You sit alone at lunch. You got rejected for that job that you really wanted. You didn't get into the school of your choice. I think all of us want to know that there's a place where we are known and welcomed, where we belong, and where we're safe because things are just right. Some of us... You know, maybe we don't even really feel it that much at the surface because we're surrounded by people who look like us, people who like us, people who welcome us. And life's maybe pretty good. But do you still ever have that maybe 3 a.m. kind of nagging worry? What if I don't keep performing? What, what if it falls apart? What if I can't keep things on the track that they've been on? What if somebody or something takes it all away? Some of us are climbing, oh, all kinds of different ladders of success and achievement, and, and there's always one more door to open, one more rung to climb up on, one more project to complete, one more thing to do. And then maybe you'll be able to feel like, oh, I'm in, I've made it. You wish someone would say that. It, 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 the pressure's off. You're in. You quit stressing about it. Maybe some of us live more immediately with that sense of being on the outside looking in. You wonder if you feel like you ever will make it or if you'll ever belong. And God knows all these deep desires of our hearts. What is it that we want when we want to be let in? Last week, Pastor Joey launched our series looking at the I am statements of Jesus in John's gospel. Jesus is identifying, equating himself with God, the I am of Exodus 6. And those statements in John's gospel become sort of the explanation of who Jesus is and what he's come to do. And the context for this passage that we heard read this morning is in John chapter 9, Jesus has healed a blind man, and the religious leaders are upset with him because he doesn't follow their religious rituals, and so therefore they're convinced he can't be a good person. And Jesus sort of turns the situation on its head, and he says, you guys are the ones who are actually blind because you're refusing to see who I am. And then Jesus goes on to this passage in John chapter 10. And if you haven't turned there already, go ahead and do that now. Pull out your Bible or uh, your Bible app, whatever you have on your phone or tablet in front of you, uh, to John chapter 10. And the center of this, of this little passage is in verse 7. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus mentions in verse 1 and in verse 7, it, amen, amen literally. It was sort of like a, taking a solemn oath, almost like, I, I swear, so help me God, this is the truth. In verse 7, truly, truly, I am the door of the sheep. In verse 9, if, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved 
and go in and out and find pasture. At the end of verse 10, I have come that they would find life and have it abundantly. That's the key idea that we want to explore this morning. If you're following along, taking notes, or kids, if you're following along in your sermon note outlines, this is the key idea. Jesus is the door who leads to life. Jesus is the door who leads to life. Or we could just say Jesus has come to bring us real life. We're not used to this imagery of sheep and shepherds that Jesus plays off of here, but it's a really common one in the Bible. Uh, God's people are commonly pictured as sheep, and that is not a complimentary image. Uh, Sheep are pretty dumb. They're easily misled. They can't really take care of themselves. They're almost totally helpless and almost completely dependent on the shepherd to lead them, to care for them, to provide for them. And here the image that Jesus uses of himself is less on the shepherd and more on actually the sheep fold or the sheep pen. In those days, it was pretty common that shepherds in a community would gather together and sort of build a sheep pen as a group where several flocks would be kept. And they'd often put thorn bushes on top of it for protection. And there was only one entrance. And there would be a gatekeeper or the shepherd himself would often sleep in the door so that nobody and nothing would get in or out without going through the shepherd, without going through the door. Now, we get that, right? At at school, at family, at church, at work, in our neighborhoods, in society, there's always an inside and an outside. And we all feel that longing to belong, to be on the inside, to be welcomed. Some of you may know of Jack Nicklaus, perhaps the greatest professional golfer of all time. He's won the Masters Tournament six times in his career. And I ran across this great video of him from several years ago where he invited an interviewer to ride in the car with him as he drives up through the gates at Augusta National Golf Course. And the fun part of this is there's a couple of security guards that he runs up uh, to, and he rolls down the window, and uh, almost, you know, kind of automatically on autopilot, they ask for his ID, and Nicholas is sort of, you know, pauses for a second, and he's a self-effacing guy. He fumbles around his pocket. I, I think I got it here somewhere. And the guard, like, recognizes his voice and looks up and goes, oh, Mr. Nicholas, I'm sorry, I did not recognize you. And Nicholas kind of teases the guard and goes like, do you still need to see my ID? And he's like, no, no, absolutely not. You are welcome here. Go wherever you want. And then Nicholas turns to the guard and he says, my son is following in his car behind me and he doesn't have an ID or any sticker with him. He's just going to follow along because he's with me. We're good with that, right? And the guard says, yeah, absolutely. No problem. Anyone who's with you is welcome here. Nicholas's son really had no right to be at Augusta National. He hadn't earned it. He hadn't deserved it. He wasn't a master's champion. I probably couldn't even get a ticket to watch the master's tournament at Augusta National, much less drive through the gate. But Jack Nicholas is royalty at Augusta National. It's, again, kind of humorous to watch these guards sort of fall over themselves and, and try and extend the conversation, and they're just like awestruck and they're, they're almost tongue-tied around him, and, and they're just like, wow, I, I get to talk to Jack Nicholas. 
If you are with Nicholas, you have entry. You are welcome. And that is kind of what Jesus is getting at here in verse 7 of John 10. I am the door for the sheep. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, they will be saved. So what does it mean that Jesus is the door who leads to life? The first thing is Jesus is the door who lets us in. That's obvious what Jesus is communicating here. I am the way in. It's Jesus who has come to let us into the very, not just presence of God, but into the experience of the life that God has in himself. And deep down, I think we all kind of understand that's what we want, that's what we need. A God who would know us and would welcome us. We long for access, for recognition, for, for that, hey, I'm glad you're here kind of reception. But we know that we probably don't really deserve it in comparison to a God who is holy and righteous. And we want to know that there's a God who knows the worst about us and still loves us and welcomes us anyway. And Jesus says, that is what I am. I am the God who knows you completely and loves you perfectly. That is good news. You want there to be only one way. Because if Jesus is just one option among many's, among many, what if something better comes along? What, what if evidence comes up that says Jesus isn't really that? And, and maybe I have to revise my plans or, or find a welcome somewhere else. You don't want to have to choose from a menu of options. It's good news that Jesus is the door because it also means you're not the door and I'm not the door. It's not up to me to earn my way in. I, I don't have to work my fingers to the bone. I don't have to clean myself up enough. I don't have to look presentable. I don't have to be smart enough or wealthy enough or popular enough or good enough or impressive enough. Jesus is all that. You're not the door. You're not the standard. The pressure is off. That is good news. If you are in Christ, if Christ is your ruler and your rescuer in your life, you are in. And now you can say, oh, thank you, Jesus we need to know that because it's not just Jesus out there there are enemies and dangers for us did you catch that look back in verse 1 truly truly I say to you he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way that man is a thief and a robber but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep to him the gatekeeper opens to him, the gatekeeper opens. Now, Jesus is kind of going back and forth with these images between him being the true shepherd to whom the door is opened and him actually being the door. 
but again, in verse 8, he says, all who came before me were thieves and robbers. So there's this sort of two different images, and, and John even points out they didn't understand this figure of speech in verse 6. So uh, he, he uses this different figure of speech. He says, okay, you're not getting it. L let me explain. I am the door. Nobody gets in, nobody goes out without his permission. And, and that's the reassurance that we need because there are thieves and robbers, not, not just the ordinary garden variety kind that we all understand live in this world, but spiritual thieves and robbers, people who want to manipulate and steal and kill and undo God's work. We, we get that we live in that kind of a world, right? Because we all need pin codes and passwords and login information, and we lock our doors at night. Uh, like this guy I read about, B.J. May, uh, nobody famous, just an ordinary suburban dad in Georgia. He was concerned about his family's security. So he bought a uh, Nest uh, Wi-Fi enabled, Joey could, Pastor Joey knows more about this stuff than I do. He's more tech savvy. But it, it has a little camera, and if it recognizes your face, it unlocks the door. And if it doesn't recognize your face, it locks the door and you can't get in. It's a, it's a great system, right? But BJ couldn't figure out what the problem was when he tried to get into his house because he stood in front of the camera and it locked the door on him. So he enters the pin code and he pulls up the app to see what's going on when he gets in his house and he realizes he was wearing a t-shirt with a picture of Batman on it. And Batman was not on the approved friends and family list. So it locked the door in his face which is maybe not a bad idea because trouble always seems to follow Batman around. But of course, now everyone on the internet, though, can Google this story and find out what BJ May looks like. And if you really wanted to, you could get a picture of him and put it on your t-shirt and go and get into his house. I'm not suggesting you do that. We need a better security than the best we can do. I'm not always a better judge than a nest door control system of where the dangers really are. That's why Jesus says, be on your guard. I am the one you can trust. Jesus is the door who keeps enemies out. That's the other way that Jesus leads us to life. Jesus protects us. He keeps out the enemies. Only Jesus has the authority to let us in, to bring us to the Father. That means anyone else who is offering life, anyone else who is promising salvation and hope and ultimate solutions is a liar and a thief. They're only out to get something from you, Jesus says, like money or fame or power or influence. The sheep will not follow a stranger, Jesus says but they follow the shepherd because they know his voice. Now, we're going to dig into that image of the shepherd a little bit later in another statement of Jesus. But here it raises the question for us, whose voice am I listening to? Because we are bombarded day in and day out, whether it's advertising messages, political messages, whatever, promising life and security and freedom and joy 
and satisfaction, if only you will. Jesus says, I am the door. Everyone else is a thief and a robber who wants something from you. Just based on how much time we spend on various inputs into our lives, who is discipling me? Who is speaking into and shaping my mind and my thoughts and my priorities? Because there are many doors, many avenues, many options, but there's only one, Jesus says, that will not end up using and abusing you. You read through the accounts of Jesus' life. I really cannot think of an example where Jesus is trying to get something from us. He's not demanding anything. He's not requiring anything. He is offering. He's not trying to get our applause, our money, our sacrifice. Yeah, Jesus says he deserves our love, our worship, and obedience. But ultimately, if you think about it, that's for our sake, not for his. Jesus does not need us in that sense, in in the way that we long for people's approval and affirmation. You don't have to worry whether you can trust Jesus. He is the one, in fact, who is protecting you from the enemies and who wants you to trust him so that you will be safe from the people who really do want to harm you. In this world, the only place you are really safe is when you're following Jesus. And that leads to the third thing. Jesus is the door who opens to fulfillment, who opens to real fulfillment. Jesus says, I am the gate, I am the door, If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. That's not just about life eternally in heaven with God. It's the answer to what we were ultimately made for. Do you see what he goes on to say? Anyone who enters by me will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come to give life and to give it abundantly. Jesus is pointing out a couple of things here. One, he's saying if you you hear that voice, if you hear his voice and, and you listen and trust and follow him, you are his sheep, you belong to him. You have recognized and responded to Jesus when he says, I am the Lord, I am the Savior. I am the one you can trust. Jesus' sheep are the people who listen and respond to that offer. And and then he's inviting us in that to trust and believe that he really does have life for us. He has real fulfillment and satisfaction. That's an amazing claim because he's not saying, "I, I will show you how to get there. He's saying, I will get you there. I am the entry point into life. To know me is to know life. Peace, joy, acceptance, love, forgiveness, purpose, hope. Just like sheep are made to be nourished by good pasture, our souls are made to be nourished by knowing and following Jesus. And the amazing thing is, he's not just saying that in some general sense that's true 
for all of his people. He's saying it specifically for you individually. Did you catch that back up in verse 3? The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. Now, shepherds don't really do that. Hey, Spotty. Hey, George. Hey, Ralph. Sheep don't really have individual names in that way, in, in the way shepherds generally care for them. Jesus says, I know your name. And I will lead you out into what is good. He, do you notice he, he's not behind them, pushing them forward, kind of like a sheepdog nipping at our heels, making us stressed and frantic. I go in front of them, Jesus, to lead them into what is good. He calls you individually. He knows you. He knows your hopes, your fears, your joys, your sorrows, your struggles, your dreams, your deepest needs, because he's the one who made you. In this life, it's pretty good when we can be known pretty well and loved pretty well. To be known completely and loved completely, that's heaven. That's what God made us for. Not just to be welcomed, but to be known and understood. I think some of our friends from different backgrounds really feel that particularly because often in our culture, you know, there may not be a lot of stories written by people who look different from us or people who have different backgrounds. Often, non-white people live in a world in which there's not a lot of people who look like them. And that's why uh, the session at our Go Time missions conference a couple of weeks ago that was hosted by Iglesia de Fe, I think, was so meaningful, uh, called uh, Voices Rising. Some of the people that were there, I think, were moved profoundly, almost to tears. Uh, one woman got up to thank Janet for collecting and publishing the stories of women of color in ministry. And if you think about it, Members of Iglesia de Fe, our Spanish language partner congregation, could resonate with the example of a woman who is a Thai American immigrant ministering in a Latino context. I mean, what a picture of the, the cross cultural welcome of the gospel and how powerful it is to hear there's somebody who knows me, somebody who looks like me, somebody who gets me. Maybe you don't see yourself represented in places of authority or places of respect or places of leadership. And that's okay. I mean, it's good for me to remember that none of the writers of the Bible looked like me. I mean, there, there were no pale-skinned, blue-eyed, northern European Bible writers. That's fine, because the welcome is not based on what I look like or where I've come from or what I bring. Being welcomed in is because of who Jesus is. And when we know that deep down in our souls, 
it's not just about feeling better about myself. It's about helping me love and reach out and empathize to those who do feel left out. Because being in is not a zero-sum game, if that makes sense. I don't get less of Jesus by other people coming in and celebrating differences and, and uniquenesses. It's like the table of the, the Father's wedding banquet just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And as people who are welcomed in, we want to see that table get bigger. We want to see people from every tribe and tongue and language and nation worshiping the Lamb. It also means if Jesus is the door, I have to be careful that I'm not making something else the door, something that I maybe happen to like or resonate with, worship styles or secondary issues like politics or economics or laws or solutions to societal issues. Everything's gotten so polarized and we can get so angry and wound up. We stake out positions and and if you don't agree with those positions or, or the way we see things that, you know, everyone's encouraging us then to look at the other people as enemies and maybe they're not even really followers of Jesus. Jesus is the door. To hear his voice, to follow him, means I am his sheep. It's not about following the voices of politicians or pundits or popular preachers. It's about knowing and following Jesus. Maybe a good diagnostic question is, when's the last time you cared passionately about something and were also deeply invested in listening well to understand people who disagreed with you? Because that's what Jesus does. I mean, that, that's what knowing that we're in and knowing where our security is frees us to do. Because our life is in Christ, not about winning the argument or convincing the other person or getting the last word in. The family of God is not a campaign, it's not a contest. If you're in, it's because Jesus is the door. That's it. And that is so freeing and joyful and life-giving. That means Jesus helps me grow in his kind of a life, a life of joy and freedom and grace and love and empathy and reaching out because by nature, we were enemies of God, whom Jesus has reached out to. And if we've responded to his voice, he's welcomed us in. And now he sends us out to bring in more under that welcome. Let's be people who live as those who know Jesus is the door to life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this reminder, this encouragement, this insight, this challenge, and mostly this invitation from Jesus. And he is the gate, the door to life that is true life. Thank you that Jesus has come to open the way to you to guard us from all the dangers and enemies and to grow us in real life, in real fulfillment. God, I pray if there are any people here today who don't really know you that way, who haven't experienced you that way, oh, let today be the day that they, that all of us would say, I want Jesus. I come to him. I give him my sin. I take his forgiveness. I want to 
follow his voice. Oh, Father, help us to follow the voice of Jesus into life, abundant life. We pray with gratitude in Jesus' name.